The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan held a livestock summit yesterday in Saskatoon. We'll hear from a number of the speakers, including APAS Vice President Bill Probilski of Willowbrook. We'll also hear from Levi Hull, who is a director with the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. He's from Willowbrook as well. Grain markets were facing downward pressure this week. We'll have our weekly update with PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Eric Weglars from Precision Weather. And Eric, it's bright and sunny here in the Yorkton area, but once again, our temperatures aren't even close to where they should be for this time of year. No, they are not, Doug, and that actually will likely continue for the next few days. Uh, not until early next week where I think we'll see some improvement in that. So uh, uh, be patient. A few more days of this, at least cool weather. We'll see the sunshine continue through sunset today. Temperatures will climb to around minus 2 uh, winds from the southwest at 10 to 20. It will be cold again tonight. There will be a few areas of clouds. It's mostly clear, and then we'll see fog develop towards early tomorrow morning. Lows will range between minus 15 and minus 16, though a few spots, especially north, may end up between minus 18 and minus 20. Uh, and we'll watch out for some freezing fog, patchy freezing fog, first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, winds will come from 10 to 20 kilometers per hour to basically zero. We'll see the sunshine again tomorrow, uh, temperatures around minus 1. The winds will pick up from the southeast at 15 to 30 in the afternoon. Clouds will increase after midnight into Saturday, lows back to around minus 8, and then we'll climb above zero for the first time as we go into Saturday and even Sunday, too, looking at two above Saturday afternoon or under partly sunny skies, and then three above on Sunday under mostly sunny skies, and the dry stretch will continue into early next week. That's when the temperatures will jump, too, looking at between 10 and 12 by Monday afternoon. That's Eric Weglars from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour, the Paw and Swan River are at minus 2 degrees, Dauphin and Brandon minus 3, Show Lake Russell minus 4, Roblin minus 5. Regina is at minus 11 degrees, Saskatoon minus 4, Hudson Bay plus 1, Broadview Mooseman minus 7, Indian Head minus 8, Winyard Wadena Kelvington minus 3. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, an east wind at 5 kilometers an hour, 67% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 6 degrees, with the wind chill it feels more like minus 9 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of minus 3 degrees and dropped to a low of minus 16 degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is plus 7 degrees. The normal low is minus 5 degrees. 
The sun rose in Yorkton at 6.15 this morning, and it will set at 7.31 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hotspot was Lynn Lake at plus 3 degrees. The cold spot Thompson at minus 23 degrees. The Saskatchewan hotspot yesterday was Waskasu Lake, which got up to plus 3 degrees. The cold spot was Rosetown, which dropped down to minus 26 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. The Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan held a livestock summit yesterday in Saskatoon. Statistics Canada reports the provincial cattle herd has dropped 90,000 head over the past two years. Pasture land is being converted into cropland as more livestock producers, younger and older, exit the business. At the conclusion of the meeting, APAS Vice President Bill Prabilski of Willowbrook addressed the attendees. My farm is located about 20 miles west of Yorkton. It's a family farm, started with my great-grandfather in 1897. So to me that in itself is a, is a definition of sustainability. I farm with my, my brother, my son, and two of my nephews. Our operation consists of about 13,000 acres of annual cropping, and we have a 200-head commercial cow-calf operation, and we are just into starting to calving, so anxious for warmer weather. I think that the biggest thing that I take away from today, and, and part of the reason why we called this meeting together in the first place, we wanted to, at, at, at APAS, our, our goal was to bring together producers industry folks and academics to identify some of the issues in, in the livestock industry. We as producers know that there are some issues, but we, we wanted to bring those issues to the forefront so we could, be, we could have a forum to discuss the issues, identify them, and start the conversation so we can you know, get, get on that path to some resolutions for those issues. So from what I've seen today, the conversation has been excellent. There's been some, some uh, obviously some issues identified and and I really hope that that conversation can go forward and we can find some concrete solutions to to as as Levi had mentioned earlier that the 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 livestock industry is critical in this province not only for the livestock producers for the for the grain guys as well and for the economy of the province as a whole Bill Probilski of Willowbrook is the vice president of APAS we'll have more from the Livestock Summit coming up in a few minutes' time. But first, it's time for the AgReview portion of our program. GX94, AgReview. Britain's envoy to Canada says an uproar on the prairies over an expanded trade deal could be overcome by ranchers rejigging their beef operations to meet UK standards. In an interview, British High Commissioner to Canada Susanna Goshko says Brits don't want their government to budge on barring imports of beef raised with certain hormones. But groups like the Canadian Cattle Association say that concern isn't based on science and that the UK is already exporting far more beef to Canada than trade in the other direction. The industry wants Canada to block Britain's entry to a massive Pacific Rim trade block and halt the ongoing negotiations for a separate UK-Canada trade deal, 
until the Brits change their stance. Goshko says the solution might be for Canadian ranchers to instead change their way of raising cows, as the Pacific Rim deal will allow vastly more quantities of Canadian beef to reach Britain. Canada is poised to play a big role in global food production as climate change makes farming more difficult and the world's food supply chain is rendered fragile by political and economic uncertainty. That's according to Nutrien CEO Ken Seitz. He says climate change is redrawing the map of global food production and Canada has an opportunity to be a key player in addressing food insecurity. Seitz says the world faces a double-barreled problem. To feed a rapidly growing world, we'll need to produce more food and we'll need to do it sustainably. In Canada and around the world, Site says climate change is making farming, already an unpredictable business, even more volatile. He says farmers need support in the form of incentives so they can adopt technology and new practices in order to farm more sustainably. The federal conservative agriculture critic says some of the liberal government's ag commitments in the federal budget are good. The federal government is promising, for example, to spend millions of dollars to support the dairy sector and to establish the Canada Water Security Agency in Winnipeg. One area of funding John Barlow is pleased with is the government's commitment to create a vaccine bank. The Liberals promised to invest $57.5 million over five years to create a foot and mouth disease vaccine bank and develop emergency response plans. But one item the Conservatives pushed for was a cut to the carbon tax, which increased from $50 per metric ton to $65 per metric ton on April 1st. Barlow says farmers are continuously seeing their input costs rise, and carbon tax relief could have gone a long way to support producers. Soy Canada has announced the rollout of Sustainable Canadian Soy, a program it says will be available for the 2023 growing season. The new voluntary program is expected to help Canadian soy growers seeking a sustainability mark for their goods. Exporters and handlers who supply customers that have been asking for sustainability verification are lined up to manage the program. The verification would include a third-party assessment for a small number of participating growers each year. For growers taking part in sustainable Canadian soy includes completing an on-farm sustainability questionnaire on matters of economic viability, social responsibility, and environmental stewardship. Soy Canada says it developed sustainable Canadian soy with extensive farmer and industry consultation and with some funding through the Federal Agri-Assurance Program. Parish and Heimbecker has started major upgrades on one of its southwestern Ontario grain elevators with plans to dedicate the site to milling wheat. Work already underway at its inland facility on Highway 21 just south of Kincardine will boost unloading speeds on grain deliveries and expand storage capacity for farmers and customers in the region. The site upgrades are expected to be completed early next year. The company didn't say what the facility's expanded storage capacity will then be. The plans also call for bigger receiving pits, a new dryer and wet storage system, a self-weighing kiosk for trucks, and a probing station.
And that's the agri-review portion of our program. It's sunny and minus 6 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. The aging demographic of producers may be the most significant issue facing the future of the livestock sector, but is only one of several areas of concern. Yesterday, representatives from cattle, sheep and bison organizations participated in a livestock summit in Saskatoon, sponsored by the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan. Other challenges include providing access to capital for younger producers, improving business risk management programs, and preventing the ongoing conversion of pastures into cropland. Suggestions include paying livestock producers for storing carbon in the soil, as well as providing a habitat for birds and wildlife. At the end of the summit, there were comments from five livestock producers in attendance. Here's Levi Hull, a younger cattle producer from Willowbrook, just west of Yorkton. We run a cow-calf operation, cabin about 1,300 cows, and background some feeder cattle. We're making a transition at our place. Custom feeding some calves, running our own cows, buying some, I think is a lot easier than running these mama cows. Grass is all over the place. We're hauling cows, you know, 60, 70, 80 miles some way, one way directions to, to get to grass, and it's just a lot of work. And we have up to this year, we really haven't seen those returns. So we've been struggling on our operation to, to figure it out. Mom and dad are getting older, hired help. That's one thing that uh, I'd really like to bring to the forefront is the temporary foreign worker program isn't working for our industry. It's laxed. We need some help there. We live in a society today that it's cooler to be a YouTube star than to calve cows. And you'll find it even in the grain sector. It's, it's going to get difficult as well. Um, we're seeing $16,500 Class 1A licenses nowadays. Who's going to be going in to go to be a truck driver? That's what it cost us. You know, there's some funding through it, but still that's, you know, $3,500, $4,000 out of our pocket. There's those things that we're going to see in this industry that are, are going to be, you know, very, very much on the forefront, whether we make it or not. I was a little bit concerned that we were just preaching to the choir. I would love to see a bunch of your guys yesterday still being able to be at this meeting to hear the concerns of the livestock industry and, and how integral it is to be together. We get a lot of straw from the Probilskis. It's so important to our business and you know can't thank them enough. I know a lot of people that cannot get straw and it's, and it's so simple. I go back to the same thing I said. Every cow that leaves this country is one last bit on your feed grain. Well, any given year is 30 to 35% of your entire production goes into feed grain, never sees human consumption. Those cows are very integral to this. I'm an advocate for you guys because I need you for my barley, my oats, corn. We feed a lot of corn. We need you for straw. We need you for, you know, even um, screenings or, or byproducts. We need you for that. So I, I encourage you to do the same for us because I'm not going to lie to you. I sat in that chopper a long time this year. We chopped just over 15,000 tons of silage. I had a lot of time sitting in that glass box to run numbers. And I could have ran our entire operation as canola and, and wheat and not have to fed cows this winter. But that wouldn't help you in the long run. 
because you're going to overproduce the canola. You're going to, you know, the more cow guys we lose, the more in, you know, increased production we have in the canola acres, the wheat acres, you know, all those acres, overproduction, you end up at lower prices. So fight for me to stay in the business and because uh, I love I love what I do I'm, I'm uh, mom and dad are at home feeding cows they're 63 64 years old they shouldn't have to do it but I'm here fighting for the industry and I wish we wouldn't fight so much within the agriculture industry because we have other people that are trying to get rid of us and whether it's environmentalists decreasing the ability the chemicals that you're using on the grain farm or animal rights groups we're fighting those people as well we should be promoting what we do as as agriculture not fighting between so other than that thanks to the group for today and we have a lot of a lot of things we can do um, when it goes to government we can align ourselves with that side of things a lot of things that I heard today we're doing with Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association, so reach out to our association too, and we can sit down and have further conversations, but thanks for today. Levi Hull of Willowbrook is the District 5 Director for the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. He spoke at the Livestock Summit yesterday in Saskatoon. It's time now for the Livestock Market Conditions. Livestock Market Conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for June closed at 163.10 today. That's up 280. August live cattle closed at 162.30, up 232. May feeder cattle closed at 205.40, up 330. August feeder cattle closed at 222.60, up 337. May lean hogs closed at 82.20, up 90. June lean hogs closed at 88.17, down 20. And that's the livestock market conditions. Grain markets were facing downward pressure this week. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo says canola was down about $2 per metric ton, while spring wheat futures fell 20 cents a bushel. Starting off on the canola front here, we saw the May contract decline approximately $2 a ton. Today, we are kind of gaining back more of that, up about 5 on the day, sitting at seven sixty-nine a ton approximately. On the May Minneapolis wheat front, we did actually see it go down about 20 cents a bushel. We are up about 3 cents a bushel here today, sitting at 8.76 and a half. So a few different things this week that I've been watching here. The first, just to touch on a bit, is on crude oil. Crude oil, we did see spike quite significantly here this week as OPEC did make a surprise cut of production. So that was quite supportive for the grains, again, looking at the stock market as well, too. So that was definitely something that uh, had a pretty large impact here on the markets 
going for this week. Now, I have been as well watching how the soy markets have been affecting the canola side of things. We saw soybeans increase quite substantially here this month, but this week now we are seeing a bit of a sell-off here, and I believe that's maybe put a little bit of a pause on the run that we've seen recently on the canola side. Canola in March declined over $100 a ton. We've gained back at one point about $50 a ton. Now we're selling off a little bit here, more from, I believe, a bit of a technical side of things. So I've been, again, talking with farmers about some new crop hedging strategies, depending on how much they've sold. And we'll be definitely looking that more on the wheat front here, especially that now since really the, the March 10 low that we've seen, the main Minneapolis wheat contract actually rallied about a dollar a bushel at one point. So yeah, I believe it is prudent for some farms to be maybe looking at some sales and catching up if, uh, if that's something that uh, they haven't done recently. He outlines the impact the conflict in Ukraine and the drought in the United States has had on the markets. Well, talking on the dryness on the U.S. side of things, we've definitely seen the Kansas City wheat market go quite a bit higher because that's the winter wheat that I believe is kind of potentially going to be more affected here. So the Kansas City has dragged up the Minneapolis side as well, too, because they are similar on that side of things. The spring wheat, the Chicago contract hasn't been trending the same. So we have started to see a little bit more of a, a spread now between those kind of two protein wheats um, and definitely something to watch. You know, touching on the the war in Ukraine side of things, uh, I haven't really seen too much kind of news out of there recently. But again, it's something that has always an impact if if news comes out. Piccolo then provides his outlook for next week and beyond. Well, Talking generally about the markets, on the stock side of things, April is actually known as the second strongest month of the year for the stock market side of things. So if we do see crude oil continue higher, that could, I believe, help the TSX and then help the grains in general. So I'm actually seeing as well, too, some opportunities on the Canadian dollar side. The Canadian dollar recently has has jumped back up to around the 74.5 cent level. That's what I'm watching. As actually, as well, too, talking with cattle producers quite a bit lately with feeder and live cattle futures heading quite a bit higher. So there's definitely opportunities here. Adam Piccolo is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed up across the board today. July, I make that May canola closed at 771.40, up $7.70. July canola closed at $748 per metric ton, up $3.10. May Minneapolis wheat closed at 872 per bushel, down one and a half cents. May Kansas City wheat closed at 864 and a half, up three cents. May Chicago wheat closed at 675 and a half, down six and a half cents. May corn closed at 643 and a half, down nine and a quarter cents. May soybeans closed at 1492 and a half, down 18 and a half cents. May oats closed at 340 and a quarter, up 
two and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. The executive director of the Saskatchewan Sheep Development Board spoke at the Livestock Summit in Saskatoon yesterday. Gord Schrader says the sheep industry has many of the same concerns as the cattle industry. My background is I had about 500 breeding ewes for about 30 years. I've worked for the industry for about 25 years. I had to make a decision in 2011 around some health issues, so I no longer have a flock, so I'm not really a producer anymore, but I've been around the industry for a long time. and I think my takeaway from today would be uh, I am definitely the black sheep of the livestock industry. Um, one of the challenges we've had as an industry for many, many years is recognition of an industry. Um, often when you talk about livestock, it's, it's cattle, and I understand that fully. I mean, it's a much bigger industry. But I think one of the challenges that I really fight for many, many years is that sheep production or lamb production is a viable part of our agriculture, and it has many uh, environmental synergies, multi-species grazing, uh, noxious weeds. We're taking what I would call, uh, you know, feed products that isn't, are undesirable and turn them into meat or turn them into food products. And so there's some real synergies there that we can go. We're, we're a vital part of the industry. Uh, we have great environmental opportunities for uh, non-chemical control of noxious weeds and those type of things. And so I, I continue to fight for the industry. I continue to try and draw attention to the industry. And one of the things that I guess I would ask on, me, on your behalf is that when we're seen as livestock, I we have a real struggle to be involved in policy making and those type of things because we are small um, and so we we want to be part of the livestock industry we see ourselves as of having that place the challenges we i heard today and definitely i appreciate them very much that there's all kinds of challenges for the for the livestock industry one of the things that are recognized for us is that access to capital is extremely hard because we are seen and are perceived as a cottage industry for the most part. We have a lot of producers that have a few acres and have a few sheep. But I'm not sure that you're aware that our industry, uh, we have farms in here that are well over a thousand ewes. We have large farms over 5,000 ewes. There's a big commercial side of our industry that's growing. Uh, our average age of our producers is dropping. Uh, we had our AGM and symposium in January and we're probably average age about 35 in a room and so there's a whole another generation of young farmers that that want to stay in agriculture that are enjoying agriculture and want to be a part of that and uh, and a lot of them are, are multi-species they're running cattle along with sheep because they find their grazing capacity is beneficial for running both species and so I my takeaway from today we have many of the same problems I think our challenge would be is that we need recognition as part of the livestock sector and so I will continue to strive for that. Um, but that is changing. Uh, we are hearing a lot more, yeah there is a sheep industry, uh, government is more supportive of the sheep industry and so we are seeing progress uh, in, the, in that sector as well. That's Gord Schrader, he's the Executive Director of the Saskatchewan Sheep Development Board he spoke at the APAS Livestock Summit in Saskatoon yesterday. 
The president of the Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan addressed the attendees at their livestock summit in Saskatoon yesterday. Here's what Ian Boxall of Tisdale had to say. Thank you everyone for coming out today. It, uh, it's been a great day for a grain guy. I've taken a lot out today that, you know, and I want to fight. We want to fight. That's why we're doing this. That's why our members felt this was important. That's why our, you know, the executive team and the board and the staff felt that this was important. Because we need to fight. One sector doesn't work without the rest. So success in agriculture, like I said in my opening comments, doesn't work without success in every sector. So that's why we did this today. Here's what I wrote down as to what we heard today. Generational transfer is an issue. Access to capital is an issue that we probably need to think outside the box from our traditional ways of looking at getting money and access to money. Risk. I heard that we need to protect us first. Let's worry about Saskatchewan and Canada first before we worry about anybody else. And I think there's some room for some improvements to some BRMs and I also think there's some, uh, we need to research the unintended consequences of BRMs that are already out there that are deterring some of what's going on. And when it comes to the environment, I don't know how many of you still have conventional TV like I do. You know, I still have a satellite, I want to watch my Leafs kick ass and I want to watch the news. The Canadian government right now has an ad out promoting grasslands and how great they are. That's on your guys' work. That's on the work you guys have done. And there's a national campaign on TV promoting how great it is. Well, come on, can't the government, right? Put the recognition where it's due. It's not your logo at the end of it that it should be. It should be, right, these guys, right? So I think we, we have some education to do on that for sure with the government because I think they're taking the credit for the grasslands. And I think the biggest thing that came out of today is we all need to work together. At the end of the day, collaboration is the only way that's going to move the needle on any of this. So um, again, thank you to our sponsors. I want to thank all of our speakers that came from across Canada to make a great day. That's APAS President Ian Boxall at the conclusion of the APAS Livestock Summit in Saskatoon yesterday. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Mainly sunny, winds west-southwest at 10 to 20, and a high of minus 2. For tonight, a few clouds, winds south-southeast at 10 to 20, a low of minus 16. For Good Friday tomorrow, partly to mainly sunny, winds south-southeast at 15 to 25, a high of minus 1 with a low of minus 8. For Saturday, partly sunny, a high of plus 2. For Easter Sunday, sunny, a high of plus 3. And for Easter Monday, mainly sunny, a high of plus 10. In the Paw and Swan River, it's minus 2 degrees. Dauphin and Brandon, minus 3. Show Lake Russell, minus 4. Roblin, minus 5. Regina is at minus 11. Saskatoon, minus 4. Hudson Bay, plus 1. Broadview Mooseman, minus 7. Indian Head, minus 8. Winyard Wadena Kelvington, minus 3. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, an east wind at 5 kilometers an hour. 
67% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 6 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 9 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles.